My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, all of us striving to be bold witnesses of our Savior. I've got sort of an odd question for you to start our meditation this morning. Have you ever been arrested and put in jail or prison? No need for you to shoot your hand up or shout what you were arrested for, but I'd like you to think about that because there's sort of a perception that goes with that, right? If a person has any sort of an arrest record, don't we oftentimes in our minds immediately look down at that person? Oh my, what did they do that they got arrested and had to spend time in either jail or prison? Think about it this way for a second. Have you ever been arrested for being a Christian? Or if people were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence or actions in your life that you would be one of those people who are arrested? Second part of that question is rather indicting, isn't it? Do we live our lives in such a way that if all of a sudden, as happened in the early Christian church and happens in places all around the world, that people are arrested for being Christian, would we be people who are arrested because of the way that we live our lives? I'm going to put that whole thought one other way for us to think about things this morning. What if all of a sudden it became very widely known that if it was found out that you are a Christian, that you would be arrested and put in prison for the rest of your, of your life? Would you keep on living your faith? Would you be seen here in worship at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning? Would you keep on living your faith? Or would you stay at home, worship online, pray that people didn't find out that you were a Christian, and hide your faith? I mentioned earlier when we read our first lesson that those words that we read from Acts chapter 12 were the second account. And I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. The second account of Peter being arrested and put in prison for preaching the gospel. Did it surprise you at all to hear Peter Witnessing his faith, being put in prison, all in the same sentence? If you think about it, what's the first thing that we often think of when we think of Peter? Think of what we probably heard just a few weeks ago during the Lenten season. And so often when we first of all think of Peter and being asked to testify for his Christian faith. Doesn't our thought process oftentimes, first of all, run to 
Peter in the courtyard of the high priest? Remember hearing that during the Lenten season? Do you know the man? No, I don't know him. I've never been with him. And he starts calling down curses on himself because he does not want to be associated with Jesus. Think of the Peter that we meet in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. 180 degrees opposite, right? Not denying his Savior, not calling down curses on himself, but standing up and preaching a powerful sermon and confession of his faith. Think about the things that happened in between the courtyard of the high priest and that first Pentecost. Peter, like all the other disciples, were not around when Jesus was crucified. They were hiding for fear of the Jews. But Peter was there on the evening of that first Easter when Jesus came and appeared to his disciples and said those words that we heard in our gospel lesson for this morning, peace be with you. Jesus, or Peter rather, saw the other appearances of the risen Christ, and he heard Jesus say again, peace be with you, I am sending you the Holy Spirit to be with you. The Peter who proclaimed that bold sermon on Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 5 records for us that Peter, along with the man whom he was often seen with, John, Peter and John were preaching, and they were put in prison for preaching, so arrested once already, and they got let out of prison by an angel and went right back and preached again. And then you read the words that we read in our gospel lesson for this morning. King Herod, wanting to send a sense of fear across Christians, has James, the brother of John, arrested and killed. So put yourself in that situation for a minute. One of your fellow apostles is arrested and killed. You think that all of a sudden a chill and a fear came across that group of early Christians? Okay, Herod is going to make himself known. He's going to start arresting and killing Christians. And then Herod doesn't stop there. He has Peter arrested and puts him in prison. And did you notice that Herod had learned from the last time that Peter was arrested? Maybe we didn't notice it as we read our gospel lesson, or our our, our first lesson for this morning. But when Herod had Peter arrested again, he doesn't just put him in prison. He puts 16 soldiers around him. 
Herod was afraid, wasn't he? He's like, this Peter guy has been let out by an angel once before. I am going to make sure that he doesn't get out anymore. Did you notice how Peter spent that time in prison? He wasn't worrying if he was going to be killed like James. He's not lying awake at night in prison wondering what was going to happen to him. Our lesson recorded for us that Peter is sleeping soundly. And when this whole situation with the angel coming in, tapping him on the side, telling him to get up, telling him to put his sandals on and and guiding him out of the prison, Peter thinks that he is dreaming. What a contrast between the Peter who denied his Lord in the courtyard of the high priest and the Peter who slept confidently and soundly in prison after again being arrested for preaching the gospel. There's one other, maybe seemingly minor detail about this account that I want to draw our attention to this morning. While Peter is in prison with 16 soldiers around him, because Herod wants to make sure that there's no way that Peter is going to get out, Did you catch what his fellow Christians were doing while this was all going on? The church was praying for Peter. Think through your morning, daily, nightly, whenever you do your regular list of prayers. I'm guessing that yours, like mine, has on it those who are near and dear to you, those whom you know who are going through difficult times. But do you specifically think about Christians that you know who are being persecuted or picked on for their faith? When you read stories of people in India and Pakistan and other places around the world being imprisoned, and perhaps even killed for the gospel. Are those folks who appear on your prayer list? Go back to the the very first question I asked you to consider this morning. Have you ever been arrested? Just think about things that are going on not only across the world. But the way that things start seem to be changing in our country. Is there going to come a time when the freedom of religion that we hold so dear because of our constitutional rights might become threatened or even eliminated? Might there come a time when the seemingly subtle, behind our back and maybe not so obvious 
persecution that people do, where, where they maybe make fun of us or maybe ostracize us because we're a Christian, might there, become, become, or might there come a time when instead that's very open and public? We saw Peter, and if you go to Acts chapter 5, Peter and John in prison for the gospel. What if all of a sudden you start finding out that our synod leaders, your pastor, your congregational leaders, and others are starting to be arrested, charged, and put in prison? How is that going to affect the way that you live and the way that you act out your Christian faith? This whole series, Dangerous Testimony, gets us to stop and think. Is there a point in my life where I am afraid or unwilling or even questioning about if I'm going to live my Christian faith. But if you think about it, doesn't it expand even just beyond witnessing our Christian faith? Think about how so often we live our lives not in confidence, not in peace, not in the calm that Peter had in prison with 16 soldiers around him. How often don't we let the little things, the things that we have no control over, the things that we, if we stop and think about it, we know that God has in control, how often don't we worry and let those things affect our lives. That's where the words that we read from 2 Corinthians 2 and 3 a few moments ago speak right to our hearts. We talk about, we read about, and we hear about Easter confidence. But I'd like you to think about what exactly is Easter confidence and what exactly does Easter confidence mean? I'm guessing that sometime in the last several weeks you have been reminded once again that having come through Lent, having again celebrated Easter, you know that the big three, sin, death, and the devil, do not have power over us. How exactly is that reflected in your life as a child of God? How often don't we let the devil weasel his way back into our lives and cause us to fear? How often don't we let sin, and not just the sins that we commit, but sinful doubt. How often don't we let that have not just a, a small place that weasels back into our lives, but how often doesn't it overtake our lives? 
And if people were to examine our hearts and minds compared to the hearts and minds of those around us who don't know Christ, sometimes they might have a hard time seeing a difference. Easter confidence and being willing and able to give dangerous testimony, even if it means us getting that label, so-and-so was put in prison, helps us understand there is nothing in my life that I need to be afraid of. Just let those words sink in for a minute. There is nothing in my life not just the things that I deal with in, in my daily life, things with my job, things with my family, the things going on in our country, the things going on in the world around us, but absolutely everything in my life. If I am going to live in Easter confidence and be willing to give a bold, unshaken testimony of my faith, there is nothing at all in my life that I should be afraid of. I'd like to remind you of a rather well-known Bible verse. And for some reason, as I thought about it, there's a, an image for me that always comes to mind. The Bible verse is this, where Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And every time I see that Bible verse, I remember this wooden rectangular plaque that hung in my room as a young boy. And I look back on it, and I remember how much I really didn't take that Bible verse to heart. How, the, how that plaque hung in my bedroom, but if people were to look at my life, my light was not shining at all. Take and look at that Bible verse in the context of what we're looking at this morning. What this entire series, Dangerous Testimony, is all about. When Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, did you notice that Jesus put no conditions on it at all? Jesus didn't say, let your light shine before men when it's convenient, when it's popular, when you know that it's not going to have any consequences. If you look at that Bible verse, there are none of those conditions at all. Jesus said, plain and simple, let your light shine everywhere, all the time, without reservation, without fear, and without doubt. You look at what our Lord did with the man that we know as Peter. You go back to the courtyard of the high priest. And Peter did not let his light shine. But you look at how the Lord molded him, strengthened him, encouraged him, 
equipped him. Yes, the Lord called Peter out for his cowardice in the courtyard of the high priest, but then he immediately turned around and started to build him up and equip him. That's why when Peter was with the rest of the disciples after the Lord rose from the dead, he heard those reassuring words, peace be with you. And they obviously had an impact because Peter proclaimed that peace and a whole lot more on Pentecost Sunday. And as the Lord continued to train and equip, as we heard in our gospel lesson for this morning, his disciples, that obviously had an impact on Peter. That when he and John were preaching and were thrown in prison, as we're told in Acts chapter 5, it didn't bother them. They got released and they went right back and they did the same thing again. And that's why Peter, in our lesson for this morning, could sleep soundly in prison, even though he had been arrested for the sake of the gospel, because he knew that his testimony was doing what his Savior had asked him to do, letting his light shine, no matter the consequences, no matter the situation. It's a growing process, isn't it, brothers and sisters in Christ? Maybe as we read this this morning, maybe as we hear this this morning, it's like, man, I sure wish I could be like Peter. I sure wish I could be like Peter at Pentecost and in Acts chapter 5. I sure wish that I could lay my head down each and every night and not have all those fears and doubts running through my head. That's the reason that we gather week in and week out. That's the reason our Lord encourages us to dig into that word in between the times that we gather together for worship and Bible study. Through each and every one of those situations and circumstances, he carries out what he tells us. My word is not going to return to me empty. He's going to equip us and strengthen us in our own individual situation. Are we going to stumble and fall along the way? Absolutely, we're going to do that until we reach our perfect home in heaven. But let the example the encouragement and what we see in the life of the Apostle Peter, let that be an example for each one of us. That we are willing, that we are equipped, that we are able, that we are unafraid to live our faith, to give our testimony, no matter where it is, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the threat may be, because our Lord is with us, and he will bless us and keep us close to him. Amen. Please stand.